We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman, and we're going to talk about the 49ers 33-17 win over the Miami Dolphins and all of the fallout from it. We're brought to you by Cooperage Brewing. Visit cooperagebrewing.com to get beer today. You can literally, if you're in the state of California and you're 21 or over, you can go online, order beer, and they will ship it directly to your front door. There's not a better way to acquire beer. Or you can go visit the brewery and buy beer there or do both. Whatever. Have a ball. The brewery is great. Really good place to hang out at. Good, great beer, obviously. Good food. Good vibes. Go there. Maybe you'll see me or Chris or both of us. I don't know. All right, let's talk about the game. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. The 49ers lead the league in weird wins over the last like four years. You think so? I feel like it's, yeah. It feels like there's a lot of wins where it's like, eh. I mean, I feel like it's perpetually, I feel weird. like it's perpetually the Seahawks category. <laughs> no, I, I mean, but like, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. The Seahawks do lead the league in that, but the 49ers, they beat the, they beat the Dolphins 32. 30- 33 to 17. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know, but just in case you don't, Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season. He broke his foot at the end of the 49ers first drive while taking a sack. He will have surgery on that foot. Kyle Shanahan announced after the game, he'll be done for the year. Trey Lance also officially ruled out for the year. Shanahan had kind of weirdly not like hard confirmed that Lance was done for the year until Sunday when he got asked if Lance would be activated at some point. So it's the Brock Purdy show. And I guess we'll start there. We'll get your thoughts. I, I didn't think Brock Purdy was bad. It was better than I was expecting it to be. No, um, Brock Purdy was not, was not bad. I mean, the numbers, the numbers weren't great. I actually thought he played better than the numbers were like 5.7 yards per attempt is, is really horrendous. Um, the inter- <laughs> The interception is not, 
really a thing that matters all that much because it came on a fourth down and you know the interception actually served the 49ers better than an incompletion there for field position sake um but no i thought like one of the hardest things to do as a quarterback and i've never played quarterback but being around football and covering the team you you get the you get the idea that like that one of the hardest things to do is to play in the face of pressure and Mm -hmm. Kyle Shanahan talked about it after the game, like all of the zero blitzing the Dolphins were doing was putting a lot of pressure on Purdy to make quick decisions. And they had to alter their game plan midway through and, and address those things. And and I thought Purdy did a really nice job. And that's, you know, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks be gun shy. And I think you could even look across the sideline um, or across the field to Tua Tongvailoa and, point out that he looked really skittish for the entire game and my guess would be that was in large part because the 49ers defensive line is so good paired with the fact that the Dolphins are missing three starting offensive linemen including both their tackles Um, but Purdy stood in the pocket he moved around he made second reaction plays which we've been talking about a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo lately Um, and you know it's it's funny in that he's like the exact opposite of Trey Lance in almost every way because he's not super athletic. He doesn't have a very, very big arm, but just his experience shows through when he plays. Like it's the guy who started four years at Iowa state. And that was really the thing that Kyle Shanahan liked about him. And it makes sense because if you're going to have a third string quarterback, you, you, you don't really want to be in a position where that's like your upside guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're just trying to develop this guy because he has upside. You're like, no, if we're down to our third string quarterback, we just need somebody who can run the offense. Like that's the most important thing. Right. And that's that's kind of exactly what Brock Purdy is. He's very similar to Nick Mullins in that, like, he doesn't have a very strong arm. He's not overly athletic, but he can run the offense. And it's easy to see why Kyle Shanahan prioritizes those traits in a third string quarterback now, particularly in this scenario, because it's like man, you have a winning team that's now eight and four and very likely to make the playoffs. Like you just, you have a third string quarterback. It is wild that the 49ers have gotten to this point. And it's like, it's similarly wild that they won the game with Brock Purdy throwing 37 passes. If you would have told me beforehand, Brock Purdy's going to throw 37 passes today. I would have thought the Dolphins. Yeah. I would have thought the Dolphins would have run away with this game. So, um, Overall impressed with Purdy, obviously major question marks on like what the ceiling of this team is, but if there's a situation to be dropped in, if you're a third string quarterback, it's this one, you have, you have a loaded group of skill position guys. You have Christian McCaffrey to check down to, you have a really good play caller, Sometimes, unless it's short yardage and Kyle Shanahan or at the fourth quarter. <laughs> hey, 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 that third and one play action boot was a really good call. Oh, my God. I Like, I'm starting to, to just I generally think Kyle Shanahan's really good at his job, right? Like really good offensive play caller, really good scheme designer has forgotten 10 times the football that I'll ever know. But man, I just do not think he's a good play caller in short yardage. Just uh, you can go back to his first game with the team when he, the Niners played the Carolina Panthers in 2017, and he was going for it on fourth. I think he went for it on fourth down three or four times in that game. 
and just like, oh man, he's just not great at short yardage, just making, and it, it, it's kind of just been something that stuck with him his entire time as a 49ers coach. It's just short yardage. Unless it's a quarterback sneak, I just, it's hard to feel confident that like a third and two, they're going to get it as good of a running team as they are. And fortunately, he, you know, ran some play action. I thought the boot to Kittle, uh, I think it was a third and one in the, yeah. in the fourth quarter was a pretty big play in that sequence. Um, so, you know, more play action on, on short yardage, third down in particular, I think is smart. Um, but man, Kyle Shanahan's play calling in that sequence where, like they really just needed to kill clock and not give Robbie gold a really long field goal to try to hit. So it was pretty <laughs> questionable, but Robbie gold bailed him out by, by just nailing that kick. Cause we were texting while it was happening. We we're like, you might miss this. And then it's a six point game and the dolphins are getting it back <laughs> and it's things look entirely different position. Yeah. 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 I, I thought, yeah, that play action boot call was great, but yeah, I've always, I don't want to dive all the way into this because it's a post-game pod and one and stuff, but it feels like the Dolphins on all of their third down plays. The Chiefs did this too. They utilize their speed horizontally. And they get horizontal and they make the defense move and then somebody's open. Or they get somebody with really good speed flying off the edge or something. You even saw it with McDaniel's uh, play calls today on the fourth and one from his own 19, which was super ballsy. But he had, Tua completed it to Tyree Hill, who was open, but Alec Ingold, his fullback, was also wide open right in front of him for a first down. Like Two guys were open on this fourth down play. And that's, I'm I'm with you. Why isn't Danny Gray like running a, a jet motion on a fourth down? Or on a third and short, and just making the defense watch that. Did Danny Gray play today? Yeah, he got a snap, at least one. Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I'm, you know, I'm it's you. it's weird. It's just it, it's it's like a lack of I don't know if it's a lack of creativity or just like a philosophy. If it's just like a philosophical, like, hey, it's third or fourth and one. It is that is a north to south situation. Next time I'm at a press conference during the week and maybe it'll happen during the playoffs or something. But next time I'm at a press conference, I'm going to make a point for to to ask Shanahan, hey, on third and doubt, on third and one, when there are six guys on the line of scrimmage, including three guys over your gardens, guards and center. Why is a run up the middle the best play there? And just see what he says, because I I swear, like, (laughs) why aren't you a creative? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll just say, like, look, in my opinion, as a layman, like, it doesn't make sense to run where all the fat guys are like run, (laughs) go somewhere else. (laughs) My favorite children's book where the fat guys are. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I I don't want to get the the short yardage thing we can talk about at more more length at length at another point, but. No man, like it's a weird thing. I'm, I'm, I'm confident when the Niners get the ball, I'm like, oh, they're gonna do something here. Like typically, yeah. When they get to third and one, like no chance. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's strange. It's so weird. So, but man, so let's go through this Jimmy Garoppolo thing real quick. Okay, 2018. Is it Kyle Shanahan's fault? No, this is not. I'm, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. 
it's it's 28 in 2018 jimmy garoppolo tears his acl in week three 2019 mm-hmm. plays a whole season niners go to the super bowl 2020 jimmy garoppolo suffers a series of high ankle sprains misses a ton of time the season is basically ruined that on top of like 20 other acl injuries um 2021 jimmy plays pretty well gets hurt in the second half of the season shoulder thumb 2022 now jimmy garoppolo breaks a few bones in his foot it sounds like and is going to miss the rest of the season after coming in as a backup and helping the 49ers get to seven wins in what 10 weeks 11 weeks 10 weeks like it sucks for that guy man it totally sucks and injuries like in terms of what you and i do and other people who write about the team and generate content talking about injuries is the worst part of all this it sucks it totally sucks like injuries cost us we spent how many hours did we spend on this podcast talking about Trey Lance and what it's going to look like? And then he goes out and breaks his ankle in week two. Yeah. Then it's okay. What, you know, could the 49ers make another deep run in the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo? It sure looks like this is the best group of skill position guys. He's going to have Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot. Now we have Brock Purdy and it's going to give us a really interesting opportunity to just see a really unique situation, right? Cause like how many times have we seen, backups i mean i've never seen a third string quarterback like play in the playoffs mm-hmm. for a good team <laughs> you know like that typically doesn't happen right so like what's this going to look like it's going to be fascinating because i do think brock purdy can run the offense to win games like i d- well that's, you know you're that- down 10 with seven minutes left i don't feel great about it sure but you know over a complete 60 minutes of football i think the 49ers can still be a difficult team to beat in the postseason with brock purdy as their quarterback let me ask you this let me put it let me put it this way because i think all of this has to be couched in forget forget jimmy garoppolo forget trey lance forget you know the bar that garoppolo sets how high or low it is That, that, that doesn't matter what matters is like when you're talking super bowl with this team a rookie quarterback's never gone to a Super Bowl. Right. Like a Mr. Irrelevant has never even thrown a pass in the NFL before Brock Purdy. Is that and true? a rookie, yes, per ESPN's Nick Wagner. Oh, wow. our favorite cast member. Shots so never that. even throw, never even thrown a pass. At least in the modern draft era. I'm pretty sure that's that's the case. I went back and looked. I'm pretty sure that's the case, ever. But regardless. So the fact that a Mr. Irrelevant is even playing and and winning a game that he virtually started is remarkable in itself. A rookie has never even started a Super Bowl, much less won one. So like, there's hurdles here that have nothing to do with him being a seventh round pick. That have nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo or the 49ers offense. So there's like, there's it's hard to be a rookie quarterback. There are going to be mistakes. There are going to be things defenses throw at him that he's not seen. There are going to be times he holds the ball too long. There are going to be reads he misses. Like he probably doesn't even have the full offense yet. Like there's just there's there's hurdles and adversity just built in here. Now that said, I respond to what you said with this, which I don't have a great answer for. Did the 49ers formula for winning change at all today? <laughs> No, not really. I mean, it, it's it's get behind the defense, 
distribute the ball to playmakers, don't turn it over. Yeah. They just did designed rollouts with Brock Purdy that they don't do with Jimmy. I mean, yeah. it does it it, it, it I think it's gonna look different from the standpoint of Jimmy Garoppolo is just objectively better than Brock Purdy and has seen more in the NFL and knows the offense better. But from a standpoint of X, Y, or Z is going to change, I don't think it really does. And it's not like the Niners were lighting up the scoreboard pre-Purdy. So, I don't know. Maybe it changes next week with Todd Bowles and a full game of tape on Purdy and next week is a disaster. But I feel like getting a week to prep as the starter is only going to be helpful for him. Yeah. And, and you know, that, like I said, there's all that built-in stuff with him being a rookie and, and, a, and, a, and a first-time starter and stuff. But on the other hand, like, I, it, it wasn't like it looked super different with Purdy under center. There are the same limitations, right? Like, neither are really pushing the ball downfield at a clip that you really have to worry about. You feel like given Purdy's skill set, you need to overload the middle of the field, which was often the case for defenses trying to defend Jimmy Garoppolo. And then given the inexperience at the NFL level and the fact he's a rookie and all those other things you mentioned, like, yeah, throw the house at the guy, like hit him a few times. Right. Oh, and, and see if you can rattle him and see if, you can throw some picks or if you get some picks and then, you know, shake his confidence a little bit. Like there just isn't that same that the, the point with the rookie is there, there just isn't a level of confidence. There isn't a foundation of playing time that offers him Brock Purdy, any confidence Brock Purdy's sources of confidence are like, Hey, I've seen this in practice, you know, and Hey, I started 48 games at Iowa state. <laughs> You know, like his, so he's, he doesn't have, I mean, in many ways he, he obviously has nothing to lose, but there's also just no foundation of like, Oh, I've seen this before and I know exactly how to respond to this. It's like, no, that he, the only thing he can do, he can really pull from his college in one NFL start. And now it's the stretch run heading towards the postseason for a team in the lead in its division that's been to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship game. It's just, it's such a unique situation. And man, the 49ers just get like weirder and weirder. They're the weirdest team in the league. There, There's always wild stuff happening. There's never like anything mundane, like, okay, wins, losses, whatever. It's all everything just feels like what's the most extreme thing that could happen? <laughs> like literally, like what's the most extreme thing that could happen? Oh, they want to replace Jimmy Garoppolo trade the farm and go get Trey Lance. What happens to Trey Lance? He breaks his ankle in his second start as the full-time starter. What happens to Jimmy Garoppolo when he's back in? He plays really well. And people are talking about the 49ers as a possible Super Bowl team. And then Jimmy Garoppolo breaks his foot and is done for the season. And the 49ers win a game with third string quarterback Brock Purdy. 
You didn't even mention all the offseason stuff that wound up with Jimmy Garoppolo back in a 49ers uniform. Yeah, and Debo Samuel <laughs> requesting a trade and then signing a contract, you know, like and then Jeff Wilson Jr. requesting a trade, getting traded, and then Elijah Mitchell immediately getting hurt. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, pretty like, you know, it's just this team is operating on the extremes at all times. A lot of it's not of their own doing necessarily, like Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt. But like, there's the like, it's perfect for us because we have a podcast and we get to talk about it. But like, God. Part, part, part of me is just like, man, it would be kind of nice if if there was like kind of a, meh, kind of a boring off season, nothing really happening, <laughs> like type situation at some point. Yeah, just, just for like sanity of us and everybody who's on twitter and, and all that can i get back to brock purdy for a second yeah let's do it nick wagner who we mentioned earlier favorite cast member covers the 49ers for espn uh had this tweet brock purdy faced 13 blitzes from the dolphins today after coming in many of them of the cover zero variety he went eight of 12 on those for 54 yards and he got sacked once that's pretty good yeah Considering the the Dolphins just, it felt like every second or third snap we're just lining up nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, don't know. I, mean, I was I was given given what we saw. I don't want to oversell this, right? Like he was fine. It's not like he was great. He wasn't bad though, but it was so much better than I was expecting based on what we saw in the Chiefs game, because he came in for mop up duty against Kansas City. And it was like, oof, this is tough. This is a tough watch. Yeah. And then he came in today and was like, oh, he can play a little bit. Yeah. And it looked, it looked, for the most part, pretty normal. Right. You you mentioned the numbers against against the Blitz. I wonder how many of those passes went to Christian McCaffrey because it felt like all of them. <laughs> there was the one to George Kittle on the third and 10 right yeah before in the second quarter that's true that was that was a sick throw yeah that was a nice play um but point stands like you have a lot of good check down options potentially on any given play and so when you do get blitzed like to have christian mccaffrey there is a nice luxury um debo samuel same thing obviously so the 49ers are equipped to play with a quarterback like brock purdy because you know, they've been doing it a similar style quarterback in terms of the offense they need to run with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, like, they are built... The, the offense is built for this type of passing game. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not going to huck it 40 yards downfield too often with Brock Purdy. The Niners, you're, you're going to need yards after the catch. Obviously, that's where the Niners excel. Mm-hmm. Right? So, at, at least they have that going for them. And, I mean, we do need to talk about the defense. Oh my God. Defense is like, this is it. It was, you know, flirting with being a defensive team before probably was a defensive team to a certain Mm -hmm. extent with how much, even though we do talk about Kyle Shanahan and the offense so much, but man, this is going to be, this is going to be a defensive team. This is going to, (laughs) if, if we think we've seen conservative Kyle Shanahan to this point, I don't know, man. I think I think we're about to get some very, very, very conservative Kyle Shanahan in these next few weeks. Not if Sunday was any indication. 37 passes in a game they were winning? <laughs> I guess. 
<laughs> at some point you're like running into a brick wall like it they they still right. ran it a bunch of times right they still I, ran I'm it 34 it, times i'm fascinated to see what it looks like next week with with todd bowles getting a week to game plan but to your point so the dolphins get that 75 yard touchdown to trent sherfield on the first play of the game their net yards on the rest of their drives four three 65 that ends in a field goal 0 10 0 19 0 75 4 negative 2 0 like that's crazy that's really hard to do against an offense that was scoring 30 plus a week and i don't care who the defense is when you're averaging 34 points across five weeks you're doing something right the defense was really good i thought for the most part they had a really good plan um nick bosa was obviously i mean three sacks and two of them coming on third down and the last one being the strip sack uh Mm -hmm. leading to the touchdown to to essentially ice the game like that was all really really positive stuff drake jackson had a had a batted pass at the line of scrimmage which is really good kyle shanahan made two smart challenges on those uh incompletions Mm -hmm. yeah um but man two was bad I was super unimpressed by it was really just missed so many throws so many throw like there were a lot of open guys that he just airmailed or threw wide or in the dirt like he was all over the map today and I do think there is an element of the 49ers getting a little bit lucky because Tua was just rattled and maybe maybe the 49ers are the reason why Tua was rattled right like that's that's a fair thing to say too. Like obviously Nick Bosa going up against three backup offensive linemen and Eric Armstead coming back. Um, that's not an ideal situation to be in for a quarterback, obviously, but man, if you can rattle Tua, I think it's pretty apparent he's a different quarterback, or at least that was the case today. Mm-hmm. And I think that the 49ers were fortunate in how many dudes that he missed. Cause he missed a lot of them in the first half. It felt like he missed four, four throws that could have gone for a hundred yards. Yeah, no doubt. And there were some drops in there. Like the Niners definitely got away with some early. Yeah. But I think part of it was definitely the fact like he knew that his two starting offensive tackles were abysmal. I think he just knew that going in, which I don't think helped. But then the Niners did their part to put some pressure on him and to get him off his spot. And I think in the second level, they were taking away some throws that forced him to do things he doesn't normally have to do. Like what Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner do in the middle of the field, they they they're excellent pretty much all the time. Um, and I have to watch again, but that was my that was my initial thought. Maybe they weren't doing a good job and Tua just really sucked, but they definitely got away with some early. And I just I don't think it can be understated the impact Eric Armstead had today. Like their defensive line was just different. And Nick Bosa's second sack was Eric Armstead just clearing out like three dudes. It was it was really, really impressive. So I think it was it was really apparent. In fact, Richard Sherman was tweeting about it. Like if you ever needed a a, a game to watch that shows Eric Armstead's positive impact on this defense, I think this was it. Like he was just he was very, very good. Yeah, Sherman doesn't lie. Like with stuff like that, like should like I I respect Richard Sherman's football opinion probably like more than anybody. It's like him and Steve Young to me. 
Like people like when they're talking about football, I want to listen. And right. I know Sherm, like, you know, he always gasses his former teammates up. Like that's part of his prerogative. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't gas up anybody who's like doesn't doesn't deserve it. Like he's when he's when he does it, you know, if there's someone playing poorly, he's not going to gas up someone playing poorly just to gas him up. Right. He only gasses right. up dudes who actually deserve it. Right. And so yeah, I mean, he he knows as well as anybody, obviously, given that. He was a part of that defense, how valuable Eric Armstead is. And it's just like, it's one thing to be really good on the edges with your pass rush, which the 49ers generally are. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to be good at both. Like when you're good, both on the interior and on the outside, the pass rush is so much more lethal because you rush the outside, you get a quarterback to step up. You have interior pressure there that he's stepping up into. Right. If you just pressure the middle and a quarterback isn't worrying about the edges and can get to the outside and make plays from the, you know, the, the ref, left or right in the flat, like when you can rush the quarterback from both, it just changes things so dramatically. And we said the 49ers pass rush was good coming into this game before Armstead was back. But now mm-hmm. getting Eric Armstead back, I think it just elevates it to a different level. And that's, if the Niners are going to make a run in the playoffs, it has to be at that different level because offenses in the playoffs are just going to be too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the, 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 no, I'm sorry. The first interception that Tua threw, which is crazy. He had three interceptions all year and he threw two today, but the first one he threw to Jimmy Ward, Armstead was like right in his face. And made him throw that ball, I think, earlier than he wanted to. I don't even think Wilson, it was it was the throw to Jeff Wilson. I don't even know if Jeff Wilson was looking for it. So I think I think there's definitely something to he missed some throws, but I also think that the Niners defensive line just dominated a bad offensive line. And if they're going to make a run, especially with it, like that's the thing is it was always going to be if the Niners are going to make a run, they're going to need their defensive line to be really good. Now I think that's just kind of amplified. Like the importance of takeaways is now, you know, increased and the importance of giving the offense short fields is increased and playing with a lead is like, I think it's the same formula, just maybe leaning a little more on the defense than they would have with, with Garoppolo. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, look, you can essentially score points via takeaways without the defense getting in the end zone. Like you could get a fumble recovery at the opponent's 30 yard line, go three and out on offense and still come away with three points. Right. (laughs) Which the Niners (laughs) kind of did twice. (laughs) Right. So like that's that's sometimes how these games can look more lopsided than they actually were. Because 33 to 17 is a great looking score, but it was, you know, it was six points. Uh, for most of the fourth quarter until the 49ers kicked that field goal and then it got to nine. But like that game very much felt up in the balance and 33-17 does not feel like a complete justification of what the game looked like. No. But but you did get the pick six or, or the, the fumble that went the other way for six from Nick Bosa, which was obviously huge. But um, Dre Greenlaw was also awesome today, by the way. He's all over the place. That play he had where they swung it to Tyreek Hill in the flat and he just chased him down and rode him out of bounds for like a two-yard gain. 
Yeah. Like that's a play the Dolphins run to get a lot of yards. Right. Like that's supposed to be Tyreek Hill one on one with a linebacker in space and he's gone. And Greenlaw just tracked him down. Like, what? That's crazy. Dude, so you and I have both been to a lot of football games, right? We've seen yeah. like fast guys, like and and how they impact the offense. It's like, okay, every team has a fast guy. The only guy that I've ever watched live in person who just really looks different the way he moves, the speed mm-hmm. that he operates is Tyreek Hill. Yes. Like it is it, it it when you watch him on TV, it just doesn't come through how fast he is and how quick you have to react to wherever he's going, whether it's before the snap yeah. or or post snap. The guy is just like on a completely different level in terms of speed and his change of direction and the way he accelerates out of cuts. Like he is completely like he's worth the price of admission, honestly. Like if any player <laughs> in the league, like non-quarterback, like Tyreek Hill is somebody who's just moves different. And if you see him in person, like it's crazy. And he had the touchdown today, but like, man, did it feel like he had nine catches for 146 yards? No. When I saw that, so they put up a stat at one point. He had like he had like six for 125 or whatever it was. And I was like, is that over some is that like in like X quarter or whatever? Like what? He hasn't, and then I looked, and that was his stats for the game. And I just didn't like you said, the the 75 yard touchdown like aids it for sure. But what if you take out the 75 yard touchdown? What is he? Some He's quick at math. eight for one seventy-five, basically. No, sorry, eight for so eight, eight for seventy-five. Yeah, so eight, eight for yeah, eight for seventy-five. Like even that, it just didn't. Fit, I, I don't know. It was weird. I'm with you though. Nine for one forty-six doesn't eight for seem right. eight. Eight for a hundred, right? It was a forty-five yard. No. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Trent Sherfield had the seventy-five yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Math, dude, not my thing. Eight, <laughs> eight for one on one. That even doesn't doesn't seem right. But Tyreek Hill moves like he skips a frame. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it just, uh, I don't know. And the fact that Dre Greenlaw tracked him down like that was nuts. Greenlaw is really fast for a linebacker. Yes. I think Greenlaw is probably their fastest linebacker. Oh yeah, like yeah, Warner's sure. not slow, but Greenlaw is fast. Yeah, Greenlaw, Greenlaw's Green Dre, Dre Greenlaw would have been a really good safety like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. he, probably he also also growth from Dre Greenlaw, not slamming Hill to the ground on that play. Yeah, because that looked like it was going to be fifteen yards, and that was going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, there have been times throughout his career where Dre Greenlaw's done a little bit too much, yeah. leading to unnecessary roughness, and you know, like really bad penalties and yeah to not get one anytime he looks close to doing one because i saw it, he picks him up and you're like oh yes yeah uh-oh, like, that's uh-oh. not and gonna then, go well <laughs> and then he just drops him and it was like okay <laughs> not gonna be a 15 yarder <laughs> yeah so uh i thought it was i thought it was good like i don't know if poetic justice is the word i'm looking for but i thought bosa and greenlaw were their two best defenders on sunday and the fact that they combined for kind of that exclamation point touchdown was pretty cool yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the symbolism of that. I was fairly sure it was going to be an incomplete pass, but Bosa got him, hit the ball just mm-hmm. just in time. And Tua he, took a shot there. I think it was Samson Ebukan 
Yeah. Like Bosa exactly. knocked the ball out and then he just got destroyed. And then was, <laughs> and then to see that he was taken out immediately after that with the you know the game basically in hand, they put their backup in. Um they, he was crunched. Like he, yeah. he took a bad hit there. Hey, do you want to go over our six pack real quick? Because yeah, you might have won as thoroughly as anybody has ever won. You had, I'm going to go through your team first. <laughs> Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold accounted for t- four field goals. He almost outscored the Dolphins by himself. He had four field goals and two extra points. That's 14 points, FYI. He had three extra points. Oh, yeah, the defensive touchdown. Yeah. So he accounted for 15 points, three extra points and four field goals. That's almost half. It's almost half their points and almost outscored the Dolphins by himself. You laughed. You laughed when I picked him. I did. <laughs> well, I laughed because I thought you were going to pick Mitch Wisnowski, which would have been really funny. But Nick Bosa, three sacks. And he's right now, he's the defensive player of the year. Yes, I think that was. He needed a, a like a like rubber stamp type of game, and that was it. Yeah, like a signature moment even. Yes. Like, oh, strip sack, touchdown, biggest win of the year in terms of like opponent. Third sack of the game to yeah. hold the Dolphins to 17 points. Yeah. With yeah. the other two sacks coming on third down. Like, yeah. Come... <laughs> yeah. What else? It's... What else do you, how, how else do you dominate a game? Right. Like, you don't. I mean, every, all the sacks are important, but like to get them on third down, there are no like mm-hmm. meaningless Nick Bosa sacks in this game. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Eric Armstead, who we just mentioned, was uh, excellent. Yeah. Meanwhile, I had Talano Hufanga, who blew a coverage on the seventy-five yard touchdown, and then on the forty-five yard touchdown, and Christian McCaffrey was good. Twenty-five touches for one hundred and forty-six yards and a touchdown. Almost also a drop to touchdown. Almost that one fifty mark I, I talked about. Yeah, on the no, prediction, no dude. You're on the on track. Here we go. <laughs> It starts track. now. <laughs> uh, only needs to average like two twenty the rest of the way. Yeah, and then and then George Kittle, who was a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like non-factor. Three targets, two catches, twenty two yards. Although his two catches were third down conversions. His two catches were big. The the nineteen yard one was at was on that two minute drive at the end of the first half to help yeah. him do a touchdown. That was honestly, I think, the play of the game. Purdy misses a wide open Brandon Ayuk on second and 10, like just missed him. And that leads to a third and 10. And then the Dolphins bring that zero blitz. Purdy, as he's getting walloped, drills a throw right into Kittle's chest in the middle of the field, goes for 19 yards. And the Niners extend the drive and go on to score a touchdown. They gave him a 17 10 lead. And then they get the ball coming out of the half. And um, that was. And that that kind of was a turning point, I think, for me. So shout yeah. out to George Kittle for that play. Being able being able three. to get a touchdown with seven seconds left in the first half is ideal. Like that's what Kyle Shanahan goes for. That's why he defers. Yeah. Right. It's that two for one on possession. Yeah. And no. honestly, that was the most that was the most impressive thing to me from Purdy on Sunday. Like how he plays the rest of the way, I have no idea. 
but the fact that he came in and just was kind of not phased yeah was i think kind of the best sign for him moving forward the fact that the the moment didn't seem too big yeah granted garoppolo came in and looked really good against seattle off the bench and then had that game in denver the next week where he took a safety on accident so we'll see <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> Took a safety on accident. <laughs> Where, oops, a safety. Where, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see. But I, I was I was given what I was anticipating when Garoppolo got hurt. I was very impressed by Brock Purdy. Yeah, I I mean I think he played about as well as you could ever expect a third string quarterback to play in that situation. Yeah. Which. Yeah. You know, I don't know. We can maybe we can save this conversation for a later pod. Probably yeah, the next pod, pod we tomorrow. do. Yeah. What's Lay the forty nine? Then we'll get out of here. Yeah. What's what's the forty ers outlook with Brock Purdy as their starting quarterback? Well, that's the next pod. It's the next pod. Look at us. Lock in. Subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe to hear us answer that question. I think we're recording this Sunday night. I think we're going to record Monday as well. Yeah, and that'll it. hit your feeds on Tuesday. You got any other random thoughts? I'm drinking a Candlestick Chronicles right now. Congratulations, man. We got a beer fridge. Oh, look at that. My folks, my folks are gutting their house and like doing a full remodel. It's going to be super sick. But that included getting rid of their fridge. Well, they had a fridge outside. So they brought, they took inside fridge, put it outside because they're getting a new fridge and sent old outside fridge over to us. So we now have an outside fridge and right now it is full of like candlestick chronicles and canned iced coffees <laughs> of course it is it's on brand that's yeah that's super on brand and i think there might be like a pineapple juice in there i love that for you man thanks i gotta order some more cooperage so i can really fill it up yeah hey the sacramento kings are kind of good dude have you heard about the beam Boy, have I. <laughs> yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun, man. Like, I, so been doing a lot of Kings games recently and obviously not a Kings fan, grew up a Warriors fan. It's just, they're, they're very similar vibes in that like, and I'm not saying any anything the Kings have is close to like Steph Curry or the, or the Kings are going to win championships or anything, but like the vibes of like people enjoying playing basketball with each other and playing like, sort of a selfless brand and just passing as much as they do and being as competitive as they are. Like it's, it's fun. Like if you, if you are a fan of basketball, I would encourage you to, to watch the Sacramento Kings and just see if you enjoy it. Cause they are fun to watch. So I'm jealous because I began my media career, I guess as an intern at the Kings flagship radio station. And then I worked there and did the morning show there for a couple of years. And every year I was there, I started there in 2011. I interned there for a couple of years. And then I came back in 2016 and got on the pregame, I got on the morning show in 2017 and did that for two years. And it was the same Kings conversation year after year after year, show after show after show. Yeah. And they sucked and it was awful. <laughs> So I'm really excited for you that you get to cover this version of the Kings and not the Thomas Robinson, Marvin Bagley version. 
Yeah, that that could be Get rid of that. Oh. That could be a problem. Ben McElmore. Yeah. Nick Stauskas. Oh my god. Yeah, they're bad. It was so bad. It was so bleak. There was like a Ray McCallum bit there for a while where it was like, oh, he's the guy. And then they like trade Isaiah Thomas out of nowhere. It was man, it was tough times. Tough times. Um, but I'm, the glad beam, the vibes, the, I'm glad the vibes are good in Sacramento. The beam is legitimately cool. It's a great idea. Why doesn't every team not have something like this? It is the reason why, like, I generally dislike gimmicks from teams like marketing or whatever You're these boys are. You I'm out on fun. To fun. Most of them suck. The beam is good. <laughs> you know why the beam is good? It's because they like the beam when they win. And that's the whole point to like win. So to, to have a thing like light the beam after wins, I, and it actually looks cool. It could be a lot brighter, but it's a cool thing. Like the beam is legitimately a cool thing. So hang on real quick. One is the story out yet on where this all started. Uh, yeah, it's been, okay. it's been done. Yeah. Okay. Two. There's an, there's an in-depth story to do on it, but yeah. Okay. Two. The key is you have to win something now. And then the bit has to die once they're not winning anymore. Right. Because the angels used to, they have the big A. Right. They would light the halo or whatever. Right. And they still, while they're dog shit, after their games or their fans will tweet after they win their 42nd game (laughs) and they're in August or whatever, or like LGBTU, light that baby up. Like your team stinks. Why are you excited about it? There's nobody driving down the freeway. Like, oh, the Halos won. Yeah. It's it is very convenient that the beam started while they were playing well. Yes. It's a convergence. Like those two things happening at the same time are the reason why the beam's cool. They definitely thought of the beam in like 2016. And they're like, hold on. <laughs> we're gonna hold this ace in our this ace in our pocket for a few years until we might have a competitive team (laughs) when mike brown yelled at media day they were like it's time it's time (laughs) (laughs) mike brown mike brown the first coach who's ever take who i've ever seen take the media out on the practice floor and take us through offensive and defensive sets it was sweet i learned I, need... I learned more about NBA basketball, like exactly how teams play in that half hour than I ever have in my life. I need Kyle Shanahan to do that and take media members through a walkthrough next year. Or just like film, like have, Dude, have Shanahan like... taught, just like do the oh, most need... basic explanation of his offense. Like he would love that. And everyone would be way smarter for it. I need Cam Inman and Matt Mayoko and Tracy Sandler in shells out there moving around <laughs> moving bodies <laughs> okay that would be good and helmets too obviously yeah yeah of course yeah helmets for, required for safety purposes <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get I out of here else to say. Yeah, okay yeah. subscriber review all right so drink cooper gear Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.